Welcome back to another episode of the 1% Podcast. I'll be your host, David Nurse. Thank you for joining me wherever you are in the world and giving your time to develop yourself 1%, pour into yourself 1% so that you can pour into others. I got to start you off with a review that was left on the podcast. Amazing. When you leave reviews, that helps us get even more guests on this. This comes from James Bolin. One percenters, top-notch, encouraging, motivating, fun to listen to podcasts, so many nuggets of truth to be taken from each episode with practical steps to make yourself 1% better every day. Can't wait for the next one. James, thank you so much, and you will be entered as what I got to tell you guys about with Purchasing, Pivot, and Go, my first book about showing you how you can pivot your perspective to live the life, your success that you have wanted to live. You purchase a paperback before October, the end of October, you'll be entered to win NBA tickets to the NBA Finals 2021. Two tickets, all expense paid trip, hotel, airfare to the finals. Purchase those on Amazon, wherever the paperback book is found, and make sure you email the receipt to info at davidnurse.com. Okay, without further ado, we got to tell you about our amazing guest we have on. This one, I've been so excited to have this guy on the podcast since I started learning about him. And, and a good friend of ours, Tucker Max, put us together. His name is Philip McKernan. Now, Philip, he is, he spent most of his life wearing masks, pretending to be important and, and hiding deeper insecurities, but he's one of the most authentic, genuine, and real people that you will ever hear from. And so, it's so freeing. Instead of having to put on a front and act like something that everybody says we have to be or something that we think we have to be deep down, we can detach ourselves from that. And Philip shows exactly how. How to find clarity in your life, why vulnerability and purpose are BS. The way the world looks at it, it's BS. And we go in depth on his one last talk, the five days, your five happiest days, your five worst days, and just different tools and aspects to be able to literally create the life, live the life you have always wanted to live without caring how anybody else wants you to live it. One of my favorite podcasts of all time. You should listen to everything Philip is doing. Check out his book, One Last Talk. You will be blown away. Thank you for joining us. Get ready. Buckle up, because here we go. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt stuck in a situation that you just couldn't see out of? And you have these goals, you have dreams, you, you, you want to really achieve your success in life? Good news. My first book, Pivot and Go, is officially out. Sold out on Amazon day one. Don't worry, there's more in stock now. Trending towards becoming a New York Times bestseller. It's about pivoting your mindset, seeing things from a slightly different perspective that can literally open up your entire perspective on life and lead you to achieving your success. It's a 29-day blueprint, 28 to make a habit, 29 to make it a lifestyle, to have you living with a great life rhythm and just being able to pivot out of any situation and absolutely attack and achieve your dreams. Check it out. It's on Amazon. It's on my website, davidnurse.com. Anywhere books live, call your local bookstore. Check it out. Let me know. Post what you learn about the book or if you got the books and a picture and I'll shout you out personally. Appreciate you one percenters. Oh, 
Yes, the feeling of a great night's sleep. Nothing is better when you wake up just fully recharged and ready to attack the day. And there's one main key that I use to optimize my sleep. Now, I work with a lot of NBA players, CEOs, high performers to optimize sleep, and this is the number one thing I always recommend to them, and that is the Chili Pad. Chili Technology Chili Pad or the Uller, another level up, which what this does is it, it goes underneath your blanket when you sleep, so you don't even really feel it, and it cools your body temperature to the desired temperature you choose. Now, optimal being 65 degrees, I like to actually get really, really cold at about 58 degrees, and you just it, it gives you the regenerate, regenerative, restorative sleep, higher REM, better deep sleep, better HRV. It's just literally a game changer for the cost of like two cents or one cent a night. It costs way more to pump your air conditioning than it does to have a chili pad. And for you one percenters, we have a super special pricing deal for you. Check in the show notes. It'll show you exactly how much you can save on the chili pad and the Euler. And if you're serious about literally anything in life, sleep is necessary. Not just necessary, but it is so, so needed. Check it out right now. Let me know what you think. I think, actually, I know it will change the game for your sleep. Chili pad, Uller, get it. Philip McKernan, welcome to the 1% Podcast. I have been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. You are the true definition of finding self-awareness and not having anything surface level, and I love that. Welcome to the podcast from Ireland. How are we doing? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm coming from a, a very wet and cold Ireland today, despite the fact that it's just September. Man, it's, it's already wet and cold over there? It's wet and cold every day over here. <laughs> <laughs> you don't come to Ireland for the weather. You come for the people. You come for the crack. And it's a different type of crack. It's C-R-A-I-C, as in fun. So if I say to you, what's the crack? It's what's up. That's what we call it over here. So uh, you don't come to Ireland for the weather, that's for sure. Uh, I like it. And you only come to Los Angeles for the weather. You don't come for all the other stuff. You don't come for the people, anything like that, <laughs> just the weather. So we're complete opposites. I like it. Exactly. Philip, start us off with a bang. Start us off with something maybe nobody or a small few know about you. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, we, we come hard from the start, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm pretty open in terms of sharing yeah. a lot about my own stories and the shit that I've gone through and the stuff that I've done and the odd success here and there and amongst it all. So there's not a lot I haven't shared. Um, so yeah, I'm not even sure where to where to start on that. Um, yeah, I need a couple of questions. I think. Well, you, you know what? Let's let's start us off with. Where, where you really figured out what you love to do. I, I love the story that I heard about that you were just in a pub, literally coaching people in a pub for free, giving this money away to charity. And that's like, that's what triggered you. Like, this is what I love to do. Let's, let's, let's start yeah. there. Yeah, I think a lot of us are, are, we've lost this idea or this, this knack of experimentation nice. and just doing something for the fun of it or doing something and leaning into something that turns you on, fires you up, interests you, excites you without the need to making a career of it or without the need to telling the world you're going to do it. And I was intrigued by this idea, this consistent feedback from many people that, listen, when I sit down and talk to you, you can see things that I can't see. You can 
picture things that I can't picture. You can simplify things that I overcomplicate. You call me on bullshit in a very unapologetic way. And I kept hearing this feedback. And essentially, I think all of us, you know, should learn how to coach in some capacity. Yep. And I didn't know, but I've been coaching for a very, very long time before I was doing it professionally. So I decided to, you know, to, to scratch the itch. I mean, I wanted to coach and hold space for human beings and other people. So rather than trying to make some big, you know, career move, I decided to, you know, do it in a pub once a week for six weeks. I'd need somebody for approximately an hour. We'd have a cup of tea. And uh, at the end of six weeks, regardless of how it was going, um, you know, they, it was over. It was done. So there was no reliance on me because I wanted to empower them to go and do the, the things they knew, knew they needed to do. And, uh, and that was it. And that, I never, never had any idea where that was going to lead to being doing this full time. Yeah. You know what? I love that because you said you just leaned into it and you just did it. it we, you're on the mindset as me of ready, fire, aim. And it doesn't have to be this perfect picture, paint this big purpose that we have and then go after it. Like, just do it. If you have something you love, just do it. The rest will fall into place. Why, why does this... Why does this world get so caught up with with the with the purpose and you got to find your why and why don't why don't more people just do and then we can figure out hey we're going to pivot in this thing that we love that we're doing and then the rest will come. Yeah because we we want to look good. I think ultimately I think everybody wants to make an impact in the world but everybody mm. wants to look good doing it. So we nice. care too much what other people think is part of the reason. Um two is is we feel unworthy of it. Um, three, we feel, you know, uh, that we need to get permission from somebody. I don't know who we need permission from, but, but, but there's various different reasons, but I have a saying that I live by in the absence of clarity, take action and the absence of clarity, take action. And, you know, when you take action, the only thing that happens is additional clarity. It could go to shit or it could go really, really well, but regardless of the outcome, you, you know more about yourself, you know more about the thing you took action upon and the next step unfolds and, and it goes from there. And I think some of the greatest things that have happened to me or have unfolded for me have been taking that absence or taking that clarity in the absence of, of that clarity, just moving forward and, 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 uh, and, and taking risks. And, and, and I just would love to see more people do that in the world today. Man, it's, it's beautiful because it's so true and it's very hard for people to do. And that's why we call it a pivot as, as opposed to a big change and a big risk and taking this step off a cliff. How, how would you tell someone to like, just from your own experiences, like you talk about doing what you love doing, but continually pivoting along the way. It's never like, hey, 10 years from now, I have to be doing this. Sure, shoot a big goal. Yeah, that's great. But understand that there's going to be bumps in the road that is going to pivot you in different directions. How, when you work with people, how do you, how do you essentially help them pivot? So what I, I, I just, I'll give you an example, literally yeah. off, uh, hot off the press. I mean, nice. I got off a phone call from a guy, uh, let's just say somewhere in Europe, and it was 30 minutes ago. And he booked a, a 45 minute consultation with me. And that was it. We'd never met before. I didn't know anything about him. And his big challenge is how does he move from uh, a very reputable day job getting paid a ton of money mm. into doing something on his own and we went through all of the different things that are bothering him the things that are he's afraid of the things that are getting in the way the noise so for example his girlfriend his dad his mom his friends they're all saying listen you've got a cushy why mess around with things why don't you wait for another year this whole COVID thing goes away and then he's got the other fears the fears of success the fear of failure he's also got this underlying idea that what if he leaves, sets up his own business, 
but he finds himself back in the same situation again. In other words, he does the business, but he finds that it does bring him the fulfillment. And that definitely struck a chord inside of him. Mm. And then the last kind of pattern that, I, that emerged from the conversation with him is he almost feels undeserving. It almost feels like he's being too greedy. He wants his cake and he, he wants to be able to have the cake and eat it. And that's a kind of a deep undeservingness that emerges from certain countries in particular. And I know in Ireland, we're very, very guilty of that, of, 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 of feeling that we're not worthy of something that lies bigger or beyond ourselves. But um, what I said to him is, I walked through all of those different things and it was kind of valuable, not really. But I said, there's one commonality in all of those things. They're all about you. They're all about you. They're all about how you're going to feel, how you're going to be judged, how you may suffer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I said, let's just switch for a moment energetically to the impact you could make if you decide to leave your shitty day job, which by the way, he's already identified is not bringing him joy. And you set this business up, what kind of an impact? And he started to talk about a shift on some of the deepest most fundamental social issues that some countries of the world is facing, like racism and equality and lots of different things, global warming, all these different things that he feels he can make an impact in. And what we did is we shifted the energy from me to us, from me to them, from me outside of ourselves, and and stopped talking about all the inadequacies he has and all the stuff he's going to face and shifting the energy out front. And ultimately the question came is, I said, who the fuck are you not to do this? You're a selfish asshole if you don't. Like, I didn't say that exactly like that, but essentially, and he, he was like, what, what is going on here? This is not what I signed up for, but he got it. And I didn't use that language, but essentially I was applying the same thing is that some of our greatest gifts never see the light of day because we're too scared about how we will be received and seen in the world if we bring them to Yeah, I don't know, just bring them to the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that's so beautiful because the way that you did it is is a, a way that most of us don't want to accept. Like we want people to tell us what to do and we go to these conferences, we listen to podcasts, we read books to hear what others are doing or like eat a certain thing and you'll look this way because this guy does this. And we want to hear what others are doing. But what you do so well and why I'm so drawn to you is you ask questions like you actually have people dig deep inside them to ask themselves these questions, not, hey, I'm just going to take what this guy does and this guy doesn't put it together, but what is it inside of me? That, that, that power of, of questions kind of goes along hand in hand with what true vulnerability is. And it's a term, it's, it's one of those terms like culture and, and, and like that, they just get just kind of like thrown around like, oh, vulnerable. It's a cool thing to be vulnerable. But I think it's BS. Like what, like talk to me, and I think you do a great job of this, talk about what true vulnerability actually is. I often say one of the most vulnerable statements a parent can, can make or a statement that a parent can make that is so vulnerable is, is to be able to look at their kids after they ask a question and, and say, I don't know. Yeah. And I think I, it, is, it is so prevalent. And I say this with a lot of respect is it's even more prevalent within within a lot of men they feel that they they need to have the answer for everything vulnerability in my opinion is is has been turned into something it's not necessarily but vulnerability for me is just allowing people to see you and to see all of you allowing them to hear your truth hear your stories hear your shames hear your regrets hear your pain hear your insecurities 
And it's something that we tend not to do in the workplace in particular, and we tend not to do it in the home place because we feel we have to be strong for our kids. So vulnerability is just allowing people to see us and to see all of us. And that is one of the most vulnerable things you can do in the world. I love that. Allow people to see you. You don't have to be a, put up a front. You don't have to have something to think that other people will want to see you as, but allow people to see you. And Yeah, it, for, for example, just... Sorry to just to yeah, slide, if you don't mind, there's a delay there. I apologize. Go. But somebody, you know, for example, people say, oh, you know, I'm so vulnerable. Like you can, you know, I'm so vulnerable all the time. I get nervous of people like that because to me, they're hiding something. <laughs> or they're hiding many things. People who keep telling me how self-aware they are are the people <laughs> that need to do the most work on themselves. The people who constantly put on Facebook how amazing their relationship is and or look at all the, the, the petals that my husband laid down the garden, around the corner, down around the neighborhood, back to my bed and his breakfast in bed. And look at our relationship. It's amazing. With respect, don't tell me how amazing you are. Just show me by your actions. So oh. a lot of people who try to tell us something are the people that themselves feel very insecure and the very thing they're trying to claim they are in the world. And somebody said to me recently, you're, you're, what, are, what did they say to me? They said, how did you become so authentic in your life? This is the question they asked me, the very first question in the interview in, the, in this podcast. And I feel really bad in a sense because this person had done a lot of research on me. And I said, well, you've made a really critical mistake. You're making an assumption that I am. Right. And she's like, excuse me? I said, that is not for me to decide. And the day I self-analyze myself as being 98% authentic is the day that I'm completely and utterly full of shit. Or I've <laughs> lost my way and I'm starting to believe my own hype. I have to assume that I'm, I hope and I believe I'm more authentic than I was yesterday, but I'm not even close to where I need to get to. Not yeah. even close. And you have to keep that front and center. Otherwise, you get lost in your own, your own stories. And, and that's the other thing is not just good questions, but challenging the narratives that you've been, you've been holding or you've held for a very long time. Because a non-challenged story becomes part of your DNA. And it's very hard to shift it then. Oh, that is so good. Okay, we're, we're going to jump back into that and talking about using the past to be able to shift that. But, oh my gosh, that's, a, that's absolutely uh, a beautiful statement and so very true that, that we use these types of things that we, we think ourselves, we tell ourselves these narratives. Like you're saying, hey, this guy told me I'm, uh, I'm authentic, then I've got to be authentic. And then you live in this fake reality. And I think we see this so much in, in influencers and seeing these people. I know a few could come to my name, come to my, come to my brain of people saying it's vulnerable. When in, in, they're actually just putting up a front. And one thing that we've been able to see through this time is you really can't believe anything that people say, like the news says, or anything that the world is saying. It's all about the actions and what they're showing. So I, man, I love that. That's so good. So you are, you are authentic, but I won't call you authentic. So you don't get a big head about being authentic. How about that? <laughs> no, other people are there. They, they, they can decide what I am or what I'm not. Yes, it's, it's exactly. just not for me to necessarily identify with. And somebody said to me recently, yeah, I just, I've struggled to, to, to get into a relationship with a, with the, with a, with a, with a woman in his case and, um, and actually to be able to establish the types and depths of relationships that I'm surrounded with. Yeah. I said, what do you mean by that? I said, how many people do you know out there that have an incredibly amazing relationship? And of those, of those, of those 10 couples, you know, how many have an amazing relationship and of those say three, how many of those relationships have you spent six months living under the same roof? Like, yes. where are you getting this information? Yes. 
Where are you making this shit up from? Is it real? Are you just making assumptions and using that as data to beat the crap out of yourself because you're not, you're, you're inadequate and you're not living the life that you think you should be. So again, these stories that we tell ourselves, and I got, I got off the phone today, this same man half an hour ago, I said to him, I said, you know, also be aware that there might've been something in your past that happened. I've never met this man before. There might've been something because my sense from you is you don't want to embarrass yourself. And as you look at this new business venture, which is going to change the world, be aware that you're probably trying to protect yourself. He goes, what do you mean? I said, if I got a stone and I threw it at you, we were face to face, you do this. You duck, you dive, you jump, whatever. I said, we do the same thing emotionally. So as you're trying to do, bring this business idea to the world, you're trying to do it in a way that keeps you safe. And I'm curious about your relationship to safety and where in your life where in your life, when you look back, were you unsafe? Where in your life were you embarrassed? Where in your life did you fail? And I said, it could be something so obscure that when, it, when I was working with an entrepreneur one day, I said, he, 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 was, he was talking about stepping out into the world stage. Mm-hmm. And there was something that we couldn't get to. And I said, where, where have you been embarrassed on a stage? And he went back and he said, when I was 12 years old, I walked onto an actual stage, a theater stage. And he, I don't know what happened. He forgot his lines or he fell or whatever. And he said, I was never so embarrassed in my life. And then he looked at me with tears in his eyes and said, oh, my God, I feel like, it's, I feel like I'm back in that day again. <laughs> and the young man I was on the phone to an hour ago or 45 minutes ago or so just said, when I was 8 or 12, and he goes on to share a story with me. And he said, I can't believe the emotion of that day has reemerged. So the past often affects the present and therefore is dictating the future, whether we like it or not. Oh, that's, that's really good. And I've heard you say before, unlocking and discovering the past is a way to create the bridge to the future. So we have to look at our past. That is what shapes us. That is why if you're looking at a relationship like, like you do in coaching relationships, you got to see, hey, what, what, what baggage are they carrying? What, how did they grow up? What is their mindset with their parents? And I mean, Honestly, Philip, that I think that is, and kind of going off tangent a little bit, is the, the, the only privilege, when people talk about all these privileges that people have, the only true real privilege is having two parents that love you and support you and encourage you and raise you in a great way. Like, I think that is the ultimate. If you have that, you're a step ahead of everybody already to start off with. So, yeah. Man, yeah, I love how you, I love how you, you, you speak about that and, and using this, using the past. And sorry, I kind of got there's off topic there, but I think it's really important. No, 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 cool. I just, there's one thing you said there that's, that's interesting. And what came up for me is this is that having two parents that, that love you unconditionally and create a platform for you to fail and succeed yes. all on your own with their support and without their support, et cetera, et cetera, is great. But, but, but I, I find there's, there's two types of people in the world. I don't think there is, but I think typically I come across two, people, two mm-hmm. types of people. One that have been traumatized and know about it and are kind of caught in that cycle and almost refuse to let go of that part of themselves. And then there's other people who say they had an amazing childhood. And what I just want to present to people out there in the world, regardless of where you are in the spectrum, is we've all had trauma. The problem is, and we see this with one last talk in particular, is that what we do is we compare trauma to somebody next to us. And we say, well, hang on a second. I wasn't X. You know, I wasn't Y. I wasn't, you know, W. I wasn't abused. I wasn't this, whatever. And I find that the traumas that we've all individually, you know, experienced, the pain is the same. The trauma is just different. 
So I don't want people to think I often have people say, you know, I like perfect childhood. I said, it was so perfect. I'd love to yeah. know about it. Please enlighten me. And as it turns out, it wasn't quite as amazing as they remembered. And both they've been blocking that whole part of their story and therefore they haven't learned about themselves. And they won't be able to grow until they until they shed that, unlock that, and, and actually speak it out there. So it's, but that's the power of you asking these questions and, and not telling them, but making them figure this out itself. And 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 going in a transition to that into what you spoke about one last talk, your book, and the talks that you do. I think this is an amazing concept. Like I honestly think this can be, will be the next kind of TEDx and TED talks because it's. It's so powerful. Can you talk about what you guys do with one last talk? Yeah, I think it just the inspiration, I, I suppose, was a little bit of frustration hearing, you know, one guru after the next telling you how to live your life. <laughs> and some of them have great intentions and some of them are amazing. Yeah. But, you know, I wanted to challenge the status quo on the stage. And I also wanted to give the audience the opportunity to share their wisdom. Um, and I think sometimes when you sit in an audience and you look at a stage, you begin to inadvertently believe that you don't have what you don't have the skill, you don't have the wisdom that the person on the stage does, maybe because they've written books and whatever. And we wanted to give people an opportunity to stand on the stage and be the speaker. So 80, 90% of the speakers have never spoken publicly before. And the essence of it is basically you're asked to stand on the stage, whether it's a real stage or whether it's just a stage of life, and develop a one last talk in 15 minutes or less and deliver that publicly uh, in the live events, or just to write your one last talk out and to deliver it to one other person if it's online or face-to-face or over a phone call or whatever. And we knew it was going to be powerful. Um, and I don't, I really don't believe one last talk is mine. In fact, one of the greatest regrets, not greatest, that's actually an exaggeration, but one of the regrets <laughs> I have is actually putting my name on the one last talk book. Because it's not about me. It's about the men and women who have gone before, who are going now and will go in the future and deliver the one last talks. Tucker Max being the gentleman who introduced us at the beginning. Yeah. He was one of them. Um, and it takes an immense amount of courage to, de- to develop your one last talk, to understand who you are, never mind bring it to the world and share it. But what it has the capacity to do is to relinquish and re- like begin to, for you to shed and let go of your shames, of your regrets, of your insecurities, the parts of you that the world doesn't know about. But by doing that, you let other people know, whether it's on your doorstep or the other side of the world, that they are not alone. So it's one of the most, I think it's one of the most connective concepts, ideas, opportunities, and challenges out there to bring humans together. It is it is unlike anything I've ever seen. And I can say that with authority because it's not about me. It's yes. It, man, I completely agree. It's so powerful. And the, and the way you just said that about the book that you wrote and what you started and not wanting to have your name on it. Okay, there I'm going to tell you that you are you are genuine. You are authentic. So I've given it to you. You haven't given it to yourself. But that's, I mean, that's what it's about. Like, that's why you're so juiced up and passionate and have all this, this great energy coming from you because you know how impactful it has had in people's lives that you've worked with. And you want to continue to share this. And like, man, it, like, like you and the person that introduced us, a good friend of mine, Tucker Max, like you, you guys are very real. And it's, and it's so refreshing to hear somebody not have to put up a front and can literally just take the blinders off so you can actually live life. There's, man, I say like it's, it's, it's way too much pressure and it's way too hard work to be somebody that you're not. Just be you, like be you and embrace that, whatever you are. 
Yeah, it's exhausting. Man, I love it. So let's talk about, I really love the concept, two of the five best days and the five worst days. And how did you come up with this concept? Just tell the audience a little bit about how we can go through this as an exercise ourselves. All right. Got to tell you about this game changer. I use it all the time. Four Sigmatic. Now, Four Sigmatic is a hundred of the most nutrient-dense packed superfoods all combined together in, in mushrooms, nutritional mushrooms packed, just packed with abilities to boost immune system, boosting longevity, improving digestion, achieving weight loss, even cancer-fighting properties. They are one of the healthiest things that you can put into your body to optimize your body, whether it's lion's mane, whether it's chaga, whether it's their cacao hot chocolate and their coffee, their organic coffee. It's just all so good. And for you listeners, 1% or listeners, special discount deal for you guys. Check in the show notes. It'll be right there. See how much you can save on Four Sigmatic and optimize your mind, your body, your sleep, and just make it taste really, really good. Five happiest days is, is one of the most simplest exercises anybody can do. And I encourage you to do it with your kids, your colleagues, your wife, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever. Uh, bottom line is you, you take a piece of paper and you write down the five happiest days of your life in no particular order. Okay. Not six, not seven, not eight. Okay. It has to be five. Or if you can only get two out, don't just write five for the sake of it. They've got to be meaningful. And they don't have to be days that were euphorically happy from like eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock at night, because I'm not sure there's many of those. But just <laughs> moments in a day that were just when you look back, you all you can't even imagine that moment of that day without smiling or tearing up or whatever. So you identify the days in no particular order. And that's step one. Step two is Then you circle what is the number one day, okay? What is the number one day? And then you ask yourself a very, very simple question. Why? Because it's not enough to identify the five happiest days or the two happiest days or the four happiest days. It's beginning to understand why they turned you on, why they lit you up, why they stirred your soul. And when I did this exercise, the number one day for me that came up years, and I did this exercise like, I don't know, 12, 10, 12 years ago, I was just a kind of a silly, simple exercise. I was preparing for a keynote speech and my wife and myself did it. And when I shared with my wife, my number one, it was my, my books party, my stag party, as we call it in Ireland, you know, my bachelor <laughs> party. Yes. And it wasn't because we went to Vegas or whatever, no judgment, but it was because we went and we did this workshop. We walked across this 5,000-year-old ancient green road, which is literally on the mountain as I look out the window here. And we walked 18 kilometers to this pub. And I'll always remember the conversations and everything else. But here's the point. Stage three of that, what's the day? Why does it exist? And how can I create more of those days? That's the third question. It's not how do I get married again? How do I have another child if you don't want to or can't have or whatever? But how do I create more of that type of energy? And it became the basis of a workshop or an event that I ended up creating 10 years ago in Ireland called Brave Soul. And without that exercise, Brave Soul wouldn't exist. And my second happiest days led to a documentary that we filmed and published and brought into the world. So it, it is so simple. But what it does, it begins to inform you of what's important to you. And if you do it with two children, Johnny will go, oh, my favorite day was Vegas or, 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 or Disneyland. And Jenny's favorite day was, remember, Dad, the day we walked down, we, we sat by the ocean and you just read that book to me. And then you get to understand that actually maybe they don't, they don't go on the same trips together all the time. Maybe they individually get lit up in different ways in the world. 
So it's a gateway, wow. and a very simple gateway, but also the darkest days. Mm. We put way too much emphasis on the light. And we don't give enough attention to the dark. We just don't. We don't want to re-experience or be reintroduced. to. Them. But some of the greatest gifts that we have lie right next to the deepest wounds that we mm. basically have endured. And by shining a light into the darkness, we can equally if not more importantly, begin to understand who we are with the darker parts of our lives. So do that gently, do that in maybe a supportive environment, but don't ignore the dark days and identify the dark days. Why were they dark? And not how can you create more of them, but how can you bring those darkest days to help others in the world to ease suffering with suffering you yourself have experienced? Because that's the ultimate gift that we can bring to the world. Philip, that is amazing. And that, that, that last part right there, I want to listen to that day after day after day because it's, it's such a great way for people to have a grasp on creating the life you want to live without caring how others want you to live it by seeking out, understanding these difficult times can lead us to these days, these great days. So it's all, I think you said it is the, the gifts, the greatest gifts are located directly next to our wounds. Like that's, that's huge. I, I absolutely love that. And it's so true. But we have to be able to look at these wounds to be able to lead to these gifts. So that's, that's amazing, man. I, I, um, everybody out there, you need to check out Philip, everything Philip is doing. This is one of the most genuine talks and genuine people you will ever hear. So, Philip, I would love to have you on all day and just dive into literally everything. Like, we haven't even touched on the work you do for the Olympics and professional athletes, which, which is what I do, my wheelhouse, so I'm big on that too. But I'm going to throw you on the rapid-fire hot seat. So, whatever comes to your mind, Uh-oh. quick answers. Uh-oh, I, it could be quick answers. Let's <laughs> go. Let's go. Hey, here we go. And you've already done so many of these that I'm about to ask you, so you can, you can repeat it you've had some very powerful ones. The first one I'm going to ask you is, what is your favorite mindset quote? Something that you just, man, this is what you live by. It might be on your fridge. It might be on your mirror. And I would say the gifts located directly to your wounds is one of the most powerful I've ever heard. We, uh, and, and it's a quote that I created and a philosophy that I created. So I don't, it might sound self-serving to use my own, but it's, it's no, one that I think is the most important that yes. I've ever created. And that is, we give ourselves what we feel we deserve. Ooh. We give ourselves what we feel we deserve. So it doesn't matter about intellectually what we want. It doesn't matter about the so goals. Good. We it doesn't matter about the vision boards that we write or we put up on our walls. At the end of the day, if we don't have a good opinion of ourselves, we will give ourselves what we feel we deserve. That is so good. I'm writing that down right now. I'm going to put that on my fridge. All right, Phil, what is your definition of leaving a legacy? Not necessarily the, the billboards and, and people looking at you as like, this is what you created, but what would be... And when you're gone, what would be like, man, this is, this is what Philip was all about. He left this legacy. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan in, in leaving a legacy in a slightly different way. Good. I, I'm a big fan of living a legacy. So it's actually, he, mm. he, he, it's, 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 I want to be remembered of how I lived every day rather than what I left for the world, whether it's a net worth or whether it's a, a foundation or whatever. So to me, it's about, uh, you know, show me rather than... Uh, then leave me or tell, you know, tell me in the future. It's, 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 a, it's living a legacy, living in my opinion, is the most important thing in the world for me. It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. All right, what, what's coming next for you? What's the next big thing out there that, you're, that juices you up in the morning, gets you out of bed, ready to smash some great Irish coffee? Well, what's next? 
When is this going to be published? This will be published uh, in October. We'll be in October when everybody's listening to this. So probably mid-October. You got okay. some some um, big we can tease out there? Yeah, no, because I've got something right now, but it, 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 there's there's a legal component to it and a timeline component. So there's two things. First of all, I'm working on a new book. Um, and uh, we, we, we haven't really come up with a, a solid name on that. But essentially, I've been convinced to uh, write a book that contains more of my own personal stuff story which I've stayed away from for a long time um, and the second thing is myself and my wife um, have put an offer in on a 500 year old castle with uh, 22 acres of land and it's in Ireland and if we get that and that comes into our life and we are going to be the stewards of that property we're not I don't feel we're going to own it we're going to be the stewards of that place and we're going to create a place of leadership of inspiration and of healing so people can come from around the world to that location. That's why I asked you, when is this going to go live? Because right now we're in the midst. We put the offer in, we have contracts, but it's going to take a while to, to put that through. But that's my truth. So there you go. Dude. Publish it whenever you want. Amazing. And I'm so big on speaking things into existence. And that is, that's going to happen. Like it's going to be, we're going to have our, our mutual friends, Tucker Max, Jordan Harbinger, all these. Oh, we're, we're all coming over there to your castle. You're going to put on great, awesome events. No, and it's no, going to. Tucker's not, Tucker's not allowed. Yeah, I Bring wouldn't allow him. No he's, probably, he's probably not even allowed in the country. He's probably been banned from the country. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's not allowed near the place. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. But that's really cool. I'm, I'm literally going to take you. I'm, I'm taking you up on it, even though you haven't even offered that I'm coming over there. Me and my wife are coming over there for sure. Hey, really cool. Philip, how can we all follow everything that you're doing? Everything. I, I love just eating up. I've been listening to podcast after podcast of you. And how can we all follow everything you're doing? Yeah, my main website is Philip McKernan, uh, philipmckernan.com. And then there's onelasttalk.com. And uh, I did a documentary under giveandgrow.com. So um, there is a place that people can follow. I'm pretty active and social, but not in the tri- not in the sense that uh, every Monday I post something or whatever. It's very organic. If I'm feeling something, I'll post 10 things and then I don't, I'm not seen for weeks. That's just the nature of who I am. So there's the different outlets in, in terms of where people can come and, and, uh, and connect and, uh, you know, see if they uh, are, are, you know, connect to the work. And if they don't, that's fine. It's beautiful, man. And the final question I have for you on this one percenter podcast is what does being a one percenter mean to you? Wow, that's a good question. I think you've hit it in a lot of ways of just how you just look at living the best day after day after day, not looking at the whole has to be this big grand thing happening, but just being the true, honest self that you can be in every single day. But I'll let you answer. The thing that emerges for me is something I just was thinking about and writing about in the last couple of days is, is the overwhelming emphasis we put on action. And action is important. And you and I both know you can't pivot unless you, you take action. Right. If I could get one thing across to people, our action and, and the, 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 the velocity of the action that we take is only in direct proportion to the depth of the courage that we allow into our lives. In other words, we can take action all day long. But the thing that people don't put a lot of emphasis in or on is our ability to dream unconditionally without saying, will my dad like that? Would my mother like that? Will the the cops like that? Will that make an impact or whatever? And people often say to me, my God, when you left the countries, the the shores of Ireland, the the country you love 
and it's part of your DNA. It's part of your, this, your soul. When you moved to North America, you know, 13 years ago, wow, what an action that was. And then you moved from Canada to the United States. And I say this with a lot of love and respect is, is, is it's never landed with me. And I'll tell you why, because the, the, ex, the, 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 the action was just the execution, the courage if there was courage mm. was the ability to question my life as it existed before I left the shores of this country. It was the courage to begin to imagine, what if I didn't live here? What if this wasn't me? What if there's a part of Philip Kern that hasn't emerged from the world because you're surrounded by everything you know? And I, I, I'd love to get across to people. I think the 1% to me represents an ability to dream without any expectations of any type of action and then see what comes from there. So that's what it means to me. Gosh, that's amazing because that's so true. We are our biggest defenders. We are the ones that hold ourselves back from what we can become. And far too often, we think we are the products of where we're born or what our parents did. And we have to live in that narrative, but we don't. And it is the courage. I mean, it's the courage plus the self-awareness, confidence as the foundation. And you are yeah. living proof of that, man. You are I'll give you one example. Yeah. Give you one quick example. We have time. Please. Yes. An example of this is I often have people who come to me and they want to say, they want to be a coach. And they come to me, and I think everybody should be a coach in the sense that we should all yep. have the skill and the ability and the privilege to hold space for somebody else, regardless of whether you want to make a career out of it. And I often find that people who come to me, and this is where they, we give ourselves what we feel we deserve comes in. They come to me and they say, how do I create a coaching business like you did or whatever? And I go, one client. Start with one client. They go, no, 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 you're not, you're not answering my question. I go, no, I've answered your question. You just don't like the answer. But here's what people do. In, and I've just fill in the blanks in your life, whether it's a, a veterinary surgeon, whether it's in the army, whatever. What they do is when they want to coach people, but they don't believe in their gift and they don't understand themselves, they don't feel deserving of it. What they'll do is they'll go out and find one, one person. It'll be their father, their brother, or their goddamn goldfish. In other words, they'll find the one person on earth that won't respond to the coaching. So they can validate a story that's deep within them. You see, I'm not really cut out for this. I'm not really capable of this. It's not my journey. And they, they seek to understand. They seek to validate that story they have inside of themselves. I see that all the time with people. And what I'd love to be, get people to do is to begin to not going back to our very beginning point, not just to focus on what may go wrong if you do this, uh, but how by you not following your dreams and aspirations, you're depriving the rest of the world of your individual gift. And that to me, my friend, is one of the most selfish, selfish acts we as human beings can do. Because the greatest artists, even the ones that are famous, have died in some cases with their greatest art, their greatest music, their greatest poetry, their greatest stories still inside them. And that to me is a tragedy that no one should face. Oh my gosh, that is a drop the mic moment right there. And as much like that's spot on. If you hear that right there, everybody, you have absolutely gained so much knowledge from this podcast. And you know, you know what? I'd love to wrap it up with that, but as creating this loop. That just came to me, creating this loop as we talked from the start earlier, also from the start, that one, that thing that, that started us off with a bang. Like, I would be remiss if, if you didn't tell the two ways that you almost died. <laughs> you got to leave us with that, man. It was, I heard it and I was like, oh my gosh, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I, I mean, in some ways, I wish everybody faced 
I think we're a lot closer to our own mortalities than any of us want to believe. Uh-huh. And the second thing is I'd love people to almost die, but I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And I'll tell you why. Because when you, when you face your own mortality, you get very close. You start, you start not giving a shit just a little sooner in your life. <laughs> just a little sooner. So the first one was uh, an elephant. Um, so I was chased by an elephant in Nigeria. And I, when I say chased by an elephant, long story short, I thought I was just completely naive and completely stupid. And I walked into this jungle. The guide was screaming at us not to do it. I thought we were in a zoo. Started taking photographs of this elephant. And um, the bull elephant chased me because there was a calf elephant there. And it was going to catch me. I ran around a tree instinctively, not because I'm smart. And uh, that just slowed the elephant down just enough for me to jump past the, the truck. He comes around the corner, skids right up to the truck, stares at me, goes up on his hind legs, screams and disappears. Um, and to give you an idea of how much shock I was in, I don't think I spoke. I can't remember how long it was, but I think it was a couple of hours before I actually could speak, which anybody who knows me, even Tucker Max, would say, there's got to be something seriously wrong with McKernan if he cannot speak for that <laughs> length of time, any length of time. I think I even speak in my sleep. That was the first time. The second time is I was pulled out of a river, um, opened my eyes. Obviously, I was unconscious before that. There was a guy standing over me. He wasn't resuscitating me, but he was definitely had his hand on my chest. That's all I remember. And then I leaned over, puked up, and I'd been under the water quite a bit of time in a rafting accident in um, uh, northern Turkey beside the Russian border. And um, looked around. There was nobody on the water. So the water was running so fast that the, the, the rafts and the canoes had gone around, the kayaks had gone around the corner. So to hike across the mountain. But somebody asked me very recently, did that, was there really a man there? And I went, what do you mean? I said, there was, there was a person there, and he was, he had his hand on my chest. And he said, but was it a man or was it a, I said, oh, you're, 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 this is a spiritual angle. They said, yeah, like, was it an angel? Was it a whatever? And the answer to that question is, I don't know. I don't remember seeing a face. I don't remember saying goodbye. I don't remember thanking the person. Um, and maybe it was a, a farmer who pulled me out of the river. I don't know. All I know is there was somebody standing over me when I opened my eyes. And um, I would not wish either of those incidences on anybody And in some way, when I see people, and I say this with love and respect, when I see people allowing their life to pass by them, I wish that they had almost died in that river that day or almost died by that elephant. And I only say that because I believe that when we have a wake-up call, when we face our own mortality or, or lose a loved one or have you know, experience depression or something, often, not always, depending on our level of value in our own skin. Sometimes we stop smoking. Sometimes we stop doing this. Sometimes we try something else. But when we do change, all we end up doing eventually is giving ourselves permission to do the things we always wanted to do at the beginning. I've done the research. That's what happens every single time. When people pivot and change, when they bring more meaning into their lives, they simply give themselves permission to do the things they've been dreaming about all that time. They say, fuck it, I'm going to write that book. Screw it, I'm going to paint that painting. To hell with it, I'm going to have the conversation with my mother I've been avoiding for 20 years. And the reason that so many of us die with major life regrets is because we don't take action in those areas soon enough in our lives. Man, couldn't say it any better right there. I absolutely love that, Philip. You are a, there's a reason and a purpose you're here that that elephant did not crush your skull for sure. And that angel came and got you out of the river. There is an absolute reason and purpose. And man, you are a, just a breath of fresh air, really. I mean, you are 
self-awareness, confidence, and just, I mean, man, to sum it up, live the life you want to live without caring how anybody else wants you to live it. Such an honor to have you on the 1% Podcast, man. Thank you, Thank you. big time. Thank well, you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of the 1% Podcast. Thank you so much for giving your time to me and listening to the 1% Podcast. Without you, none of this would be possible. The feedback, the reviews, the ratings you give this podcast help to grow the audience and the reach for us to be able to bring on new guests each week and provide that 1% daily steps we can all implement from top NBA players, from high performers, and just from amazing people doing amazing things to better this world. And it's all because of you. And if you could, I will shout you out, personally thank you, leave a review on iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. Five stars if you love it. One star, of course, if you hate it, and leave a comment of what you liked about it or questions, suggestions that you might have. Post on social media and tag me at David Nurse NBA, and I will repost the reviews the podcast gets. I'll shout you out personally for sure. Thank you so much for being the best community, the best family, the best 1% squad. So blessed for all of you out there. Now go out there today and speak a word of encouragement into someone. You can and you will make a difference. 